You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. Y'all go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. (laughs) My wife said preach fast. But it's not because she didn't want to hear my preaching. It's because we got a grandbaby on the way. We were awoken this morning to a text from our son in North Carolina to tell us his wife was in labor. So we quickly loaded up luggage, which is in our car outside. And uh, Ken Daniels topped off my oil because I was apparently a quart and a half low. And, uh, and so we're going to be eastbound and down uh, right after the service. Uh, so it's a little, our grandson, first first grandbaby, Asher Phillip. So I can pray a special prayer for Becky Fox this morning as they're at the hospital. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Y'all, most of us are familiar uh, with the Pirates of the Caribbean show. We've got a pic of it up here. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow and his unexplainable compass that always pointed to the thing that he wanted the most. Sometimes it was rum. Sometimes it was the black pearl, right? Sometimes it was a woman. But I think all of us today, especially us parents, if, if, we, if we could, if we had a special compass, we'd want it to direct us toward the path of perfect parenting. There's not a parent in here that hadn't had a regret. Amen? <laughs> and so we need help. We need a parental cheat code that will give us the precise heading for our house. And friend, we've got better than a cheat code. We've got the Word of God, which is unbelievably full of information about parental priorities. And we'll never cover it all, but we're going to be in a series over the next few weeks, and we're going to try to take a stab at some of it, all right? Whether you're a parent or a grandparent or a guardian, a foster parent, uh, every one of us can learn from what God's Word says about the heading of the house. A lot of single parents out here today, too. It's doubly hard for you as you navigate those waters. Where does God's compass point parents? And I know some of you parents are out there right now thinking, hey, I want another plan for my family. You know, like the woman said, don't tell me how to fix my home. Don't teach me how to think. Your books don't work. My kids are jerks. They push me to the brink. All I want is my feet in the sand and an umbrella in my drink. But all I got is clothes on the floor and dishes in my sink. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Uh, You know Mark Twain, you know what he said about teenagers, don't you? When they're 13, you put them in a barrel and feed them through the knot hole. And then when they're 16, plug the knot hole. All right? (laughs) And of course, we know that's not uh, true, especially if you're a parent. Psalms 127 verse 3 testifies, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. They're the only thing you leave behind, right? And I know sometimes, I know there are parents hurting today. Some of you, your, your children beat you to the grave and that shouldn't be. And uh, I pray God's comfort on you today. I know my own family, we, uh, my wife's been pregnant seven times. We have four of them in this world and three of them in heaven. But children are a heritage. And it goes on to say, they're from the Lord and they're a fruit of the womb, a great reward, not a punishment as some of us may think. Proverbs 17, verse 6 says, and this is my favorite verse today, grandchildren are the crown of the aged. And I've had so many grandparents tell me, oh, it's going to be better than kids. Sorry, Isaiah. But uh, 
All right. John chapter 16, verse 21 says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has come into the world. And many of you know that my own namesake uh, was the man who adopted my father uh, because he and his wife, my, uh, my uncle went and Aunt Mary couldn't have children. But God says, even to the fatherless, all right, or to the childless, the barren woman, Psalm 113, verse nine, he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Amen. Even if they're not her biological children, all the women uh, in this world can have influence. Children are from the Lord. And there's a wonderful passage about this that sheds some light on, I guess, part one of our series, Heading of the House. And we've entitled today's message, The Kingdom Comparison. So I want us to stand and read these few verses together in honor of God's word. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them and the disciples rebuked them, meaning they rebuked the parents that were bringing the kids to Jesus. Verse 14. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, to the disciples, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now I want Chase Moore to come and ask God's blessings today. And when I asked Chase to pray, we didn't know that we were going to be baptizing his sweet daughter uh, Lillian today. But what a special day for you, Chase. All right, let's bow. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. We thank you for this growing body of believers and all the mothers in here in our lives, Lord, that make that happen. Um, and we are especially thankful for what you have done through your son. We ask that you would uh, bless this time this morning, that you would open our hearts to receive your love, Lord, our eyes to see your truth and our ears to hear your word. I just ask all this in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you. You can be seated. All right, where do we start <laughs> when it comes to becoming a better parent? What is our desired compass heading? All right, well, priority number one is, and I've only got two main points today, all right? The first one is this, bringing children to Jesus. Uh, there's several things I wanna mention here. First is that the bringing is brief. All right, church, uh, last week we spoke about how uh, every, our soul is immortal. We, our souls will never die, right? So if that's true, your child's soul will never die. So think about their entire life. Think about eternity. If I were to say to you, some of y'all are mathematicians or geometry majors. If I were to say to you, here's a BB. My son, uh, Isaiah turned 10 today. He's been asking, he's been really wanting this, his little nephew to come on his birthday, and I think it's going to happen. Uh, but he got a BB gun for his birthday, and this little, uh, this is a BB. And in the, in the scope of ratios, we would say this represents one, and this represents maybe 200, 300. Like meaning one BB, I mean 300 BBs would fit in this little, if this were hollowed out golf ball. Does that make sense? So we call that a ratio, one to 300, all right? But if I were to change that ratio to a basketball, what does that little BB become? That BB becomes a little smaller in comparison. So that's maybe one, I'm taking a guess, in 
30,000, you know, right? So the ratio is small. But what if that basketball were all, instead of a basketball, all the sand on every beach and every desert in the world? And what if this BB was a grain of sand? And it's not that the illustrations not to point to the fact that the or uh, are, are to make us believe that the BB or the grain of sand is insignificant because of its smallness. All right. Because it all represents eternity. Every sand. That's that's your child's life. All that sand in the desert and on the seashore in the scope of ratios. That's one to what they actually have tried to measure out how many grains of sand there are in the world. And according to. Google, which is so reliable, um, it, there are, it would be equivalent to if you, you know, they measured out a teaspoon, they counted those number of grains of sand in the teaspoon, and then they went from there, a little math, 7.5 times 10 to the 18th power grains of sand, or 7 quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains. Now, why am I saying all this? <laughs> because... All God asks for us as parents is that grain, right? This little brief time. If a kid stays at home for 25 years, give or take, <laughs> all right? If that's, how, if that's the time you have the majority of your influence over them, and by the way, your influence never ceases even into their adulthood. You're still their parents. But it, in comparison, it seems so tiny compared to what it's worth, Amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 says, they were bringing children to him. And that bringing, friend, is brief. Just like that. You, you parents know it, don't you? Just like that. Graduation. Just like that. Matter of fact, next week we're celebrating the graduation of a couple of our students. Just like that. They're grown. They're gone. And eternity comes on you. And your life is but a vapor. And God's asking for such a minimal portion of your time. Well, the second thing is that the bringing is miraculous. Now, it's assumed that the parents or the guardians in this passage were the ones doing the bringing. And this story is also found in two other Gospels over in Matthew 19, verse 13, and in Luke 18, verse 15. We have the same story. Uh, Mark tells the more extensive version of it, all right? And in Mark and Luke's account, this word is in the perfect, imperfect tense, meaning they didn't... It doesn't say they brought children to him. It say they were bringing. So we believe this was over an extended a period of time. And I believe it's because reports had gotten out about Jesus and the news had spread about the people that he had healed. Mark 9 verse, uh, uh, Mark and Matthew share of uh, a healing, different healings of children. Uh, Mark 9 36 says Jesus took a child and put him in the midst of them and taking him in his arms he said to them, whoever receives one uh, such child in my name receives me. In John chapter 4, verse 50, Jesus heals a Capernaum official's son. So the deal is the word was getting around, all right? There weren't newspapers and uh, Twitter and things like that, but word had spread and people were coming and parents were bringing their kids to him, but they weren't just bringing him to Jesus for physical healing or for like biblical anecdotes, all right? Mark chapter 10, verse 13, it says these children, the, the Greek word there is paedia, and it, it, it refers to anyone between the infancy to 12 years old. 
All right, so we know that's what Jesus was talking about, anyone within that time period. And in the healing of Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5, verse 39 and verse 42, uh, in reference, it, it uses the same word in reference to a child. And in verse 42, it says that child was 12. So we, we have clarification there from Scripture. And in Luke's account, however, in Luke 18, verse 15, he uses the word brefe. It's a different word in his version of this story. And that word means infants. So, I believe in the passage, Jesus is actually taking up a small child, like an infant maybe, in his arms. But I think in what he's speaking about, in terms of the kingdom, he's referring to all children, right? And some of their attributes, right? So, uh, there was likely young children of various ages coming to Jesus on and off over an extended period of time. But the parents, and this is my point, the parents were seeking what was best for their children. And in several cases, in their bringing their children, they got a blessing as well. <laughs> I know many, a parent who's thought, well, my kid really needs to go to church. Not so much me, because I got things squared away. But they bring them, and then God gives them a blessing as well. And we know there's more instances of Jesus interacting with children, because John 21, verse 25 says, Now there uh, are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. You mothers and fathers, you grandparents, hear God's word. Miracles happen when we get our kids to Jesus. Do you understand that? Don't underestimate the discipline of daily and weekly gathering your children into the local body of Christ, into the word at home, whatever that may be. However, you may do that in the morning or at night talking about him around the table. Whether it's at this church or another Bible-believing church, I don't care, but God does. He cares that you're there. Miracles happen when we make the bringing a non-negotiable priority of our families. But they were bringing for more than healing because the bringing is also for blessing. Listen, church, children need a blessing. They need words of affirmation and they need your prayers over them. Prayers matter to our kids. Yes, we do need to be, uh, be tough on our kids sometimes, right? Uh, we don't want them to be easily offended. We don't want them to grow up as victims of every little thing that happens to them. We want them to find their security and identity in Christ. We want them to be confident, but uh, not prideful. We want them to be courageous, but humble. And to do that, we have to push them sometimes. <laughs> and they, they, we have to push them to places they won't, don't want to go sometimes. But it helps instill work ethic in our kids and discipline and Christ-like attitudes and action. And if we do it the right way, um, in the right spirit, that push can be as much of a blessing to their future self <laughs> as our affirming words, right? I get that. We don't want to just go around, oh, you know, this is the, everybody gets a trophy generation. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just all words of affirmation. I know that we have to be tough sometimes, but kids still need to experience firsthand our unconditional love for them through our touch and through our words. They need encouragement. 20, not 24 hours, 24 seven, a helicopter parenting, you know, where we don't let them breathe. Can I get an amen from the kids? Uh, all right, I got one. <laughs> 
The parents uh, did bring their kids to Christ for physical healing, but the parents in this passage were bringing them for more than some temporary healing. They were bringing their kids for a blessing, all right? Jesus scoops up the children, places his hands on them or on their shoulders or their head, and he blesses them. And it was totally normal. Actually, the Talmud in, uh, speaks of this, but it was totally normal for Jewish parents to bring their children to a priest or a, a holy man to, to, to bless their kids. But what was this blessing that Jesus gave? Well, we know it included physical touch and special prayer, specific prayer. In public, might I add, all right? Now, Mark's gospel only says in Mark 10, verse 13 and 16, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, verse 16, and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So we don't really know what the blessing was, but in Matthew's account, he says in chapter 19, verse 13, then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. All right, so there it is. There's this blessing. It wasn't some superstition, let's get him to the holy man, let him pray over him, right? It was the prayer, it was the, uh, the, the person we were praying to. Jesus was exemplifying prayer to the Father for these children, all right? Now, could the parents, parents have prayed? Yes. Could any priest or prophet have prayed? Yes. But church, don't miss this. Good parents know <laughs> that it takes more than the sum of mom and dad to raise a child. Can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> it takes more. We need extra prayer. That's why every Wednesday night, 630 at our church, we have prayer time together. We pray for many of your children that are on the prayer list. That's why we have an email prayer chain. That's why we have in every small group and church service and offering and requests. We pray over these things because we are acknowledging in prayer we cannot do this on our own. Don't miss this. The bringing is part of the acknowledgement to God that we need him. In this parental endeavor, we can't do it alone. Actually, part of the ceremony of our baby dedications takes its origins in this verse, not as a biblical requirement or some legalistic thing you have to do, but as an extra blessing and an extra commitment to take extra steps to help bring our kids to Jesus. And I know many of you grandparents have hauled many of your grandkids to church for years. Praise God for you and you parents. Even when you're not in the mood for it, I'm, I'm glad. And I, I say that every Sunday, but it's because of this right here. Bringing children to Jesus is brief. It can make miracles happen in their lives and it's a declaration of dependence on the Lord and his church in addition to the home itself, of course, right? All of these things are like incubators that help set the heading of the house. What are we doing as parents and grandparents and guardians to bring our children to Jesus? What are you doing? How are you acting on that? Well, the second point this morning, the last point this morning, and the biggest motivator to the bringing is the fact that not just a, it's not just because Jesus saves and he forgives and he heals and he blesses and he intercedes for us. All those things are wonderful. But don't overlook the simple fact that Jesus loves children. All right? We can just blow right past this passage and, and miss this fact. Why would this be strange to us? All throughout Scripture, God values the lives of those who cannot fend for themselves. 
I'm going to give you, I'm going to end with some biblical proofs of this. Number one, God invented and commanded parenthood. Genesis 1 verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. Isn't that interesting? All the way back in the garden, what's God doing? He's blessing his children, the creation, the first kids he made, you know, obviously older kids, but he made them. They were his children. They were newborns, even though they were adults. All right. And what's he doing over in the New Testament? He's taking those kids and he's blessing them. And of course, the ones in the garden, he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Church, I don't know what your future holds. I don't know how many children God's going to allow you to have or if he'll allow you to have any children at all. All right, I'm not a pastor who goes around trying to uh, creep into those uh, areas of your life. However, we need to be cautious of a desire to not have children or a desire to coach our children on how many kids we think they can financially afford. You better be careful playing that position, friend. You're messing with God. All right, God said be fruitful and multiply. You better not get in the way of your kids and God's word. God help us. That doesn't mean we don't have those thoughts in our hearts. Oh, I don't know if they can handle this, you know. Your kid gets pregnant with the third one back to back, and you're like... Mm, it's going to be difficult. And I know marriage situations are different and some of that weighs into your thought processes. But I am genuinely fearful of men and women who loathe the thought of parenthood. I believe scripture teaches that that attitude, that anti-child attitude is anti-creation, anti-Christ, and anti-Christian. The attitude, all right? I'm not trying to tackle the topic of birth control this morning, but I do believe that the attitude that sees kids as inconvenient or financial obstacles to some better, greater earthly thing, right? Or they're, they're a hindering of, of my own self-absorbed schedule or career. I believe that's because you don't understand scripture or believe it. Just because, by the way, Paul didn't get married what about him preacher he didn't desire to be married yeah but what did he spend his life doing he wasn't sitting on a beach with no kids to worry about drinking a pina colada he was serving God and dying for his faith so yeah there's singleness for some and yes God for whatever reasons will know in heaven some women are barren and aren't able to have children but that desire is what, I, what scares me and when I hear a young uh, woman uh, wince at the thought of kids I, I really do see an attitude that is rebellious and closed to the desire and joy of God in multiplying life through us, his children, his creation. Friend, if you don't love children, you need to ask for revival in your heart because it's a symptom of a greater problem. Church, think about this. God is actively right now holding back his wrath on our rebellious unbelieving world. Isaiah 48 verse 9 says this, for my name's sake I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise I restrain it for you that you may not be cut off. And with all that restraint, that pin up wrath that's going to be spilled out one day, it will. We'll see it. All right? And whether that's in, some of that's in this life or the next, we will witness this. 
with all that restraint, God still allows with every single birth of every little baby, He allows to be born. He's allowing birth. Why wouldn't He just shut that down if He didn't like us? Every child that's born is a declaration from heaven because the Bible says He breathes life and breath into all that is living. All right? That's from God. No matter how that child came about, that child is from God. That child is not a consequence. And with every child that comes into this world, he's saying, I still love humanity. He hasn't stopped multiplying our world. And in Mark 10, Jesus shows his overwhelming love for the family and the children a man and woman are allowed to produce through the miracle of birth. God invented and literally commanded multiplication. And by the way, I know there are moms maybe here that cannot have children. Let me just say to you, though I don't understand God's will in that for you, I do know that your desire to have them is holy and biblical and honoring to God. And I believe he will bless you. And I pray that he will bless you in special ways. Jesus also demonstrated his love in a second way. He rebuked his disciples' view of children. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them, the parents, or whoever was bringing them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me, do not hinder them. It's interesting. There's only a few times in scripture where Jesus gets visibly angry. And it's not an ungodly anger. It's a righteous anger for a biblical cause and a biblical reason. He didn't blow a gasket or anything like that. But he's angry. And one of those times, of course, y'all know, was in the temple and he made the leather whip. Okay, But another one of those times is here. It says he was indignant. It's from the Greek word that means intense displeasure. It's almost like an, an angry, disappointed sigh so when the disciples rebuked Jesus I guess he kind of literally Jesus juked him and he had a rebuke of his own right all these kids were coming over these days and the disciples made a business decision to shoo the parents away hey hey quit it quit bringing your kids in here all right we don't got time for this we got people to heal got to raise some dead people and stuff like that no more important stuff you know grown-ups get your babies away you know, parents pay attention to this part. The disciples who had been with Jesus about two years at this point, almost every day, they were living with him, learning from him, hearing every word he spoke, seeing all the wonderful and compassionate things he did for adults and children. They still didn't get the importance of children or all people for that matter. And I'm sure they probably thought that Jesus was just too busy or too important for these little kids. I mean, they don't even know how to talk yet. Why are you spending your time with them? Let me ask you, church, are you too busy? Are you too important for children? Has our greed become so great and our judgment so dim that we think we need to work more so that we can spend more on our kids? We forfeit time for money to buy our kids less time with us. That's what we're doing. <laughs> we're crazy. Then we sit around as old people complaining about all the things this, these spoiled kids have these days. You bought it for them. Doesn't make sense. God help us. And Jesus set them straight. He said, no one chooses who's valuable to me. I choose who's valuable to me. 
don't you hinder these kids. Don't you try to put value on people, you disciples who've hung out with me for two years. I'll decide. And he did. <laughs> By the way, like I mentioned from the uh, baptistry, we have, when you, when you leave today, would you please grab one of those bottles uh, out there in the foyer and fill it up? If you fill it up, you can bring it back and grab another one. We'll make sure there's plenty of supply between now and Father's Day. We're going to collect those. And we're going to give to Life Choices. Life Choices is a local ministry in Memphis that does pre- and post-abortion counseling. Right? We, we have no shame to cast on the, the mothers that may have had an abortion. We understand that. People make mistakes and some of them are grave. And, and we live with the scars of some of that on this earth. But we're forgiven and can be forgiven. And so we support that ministry. And there's also adoption available through Life Choices. So grab a bottle, fill it up with change. Or some people put cash and checks in there and just turn it back in. And we'll send that as one lump sum to them. All right? The disciples, they had seen Jesus interact uh, but they just somehow missed it, right? How in the world could the disciples have missed it? Great hit, son. That was a good hit. That was really good. Yeah, I'm watching. I got gotcha. you. A little too close to home? <laughs> Why do you think they do it? Because they see you do it. Do you know that a dad they say on average spends 37 seconds a day in meaningful conversation with their kids. When Billy Graham, one of the godliest men in our generation, right, in terms of his integrity, when he was asked one thing he would go back and change, he didn't ask for more crusades, it wasn't that more people would come to know Jesus. He said, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. And he's got some great kids. Jesus' rebuke in Mark 10, 14 was, let the children come to me, do not hinder them. And Jesus wasn't naive, by the way, about the sinfulness of children. Remember, I believe, in the, uh, I believe the Bible teaches an age of accountability. That means that kids go to heaven when they die. But that doesn't mean that a small child has never sinned and that's why they go to heaven, because they have no sin in them. No. They go to heaven because God's grace has been poured over them. God chose to send them to heaven. Right, the same way he chooses to reveal himself to you. Children have value even in their weakness. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. And they aren't waiting to be worth God's time as if only good, grown, mature kids can afford God's presence. God don't love you because you're a mature believer. <laughs> How many of us would be loved, right? We gotta fight for this church, all right? We've gotta... It's not going to come naturally to our schedules. We've got to carve it out and relax and play, spend time with, pray blessings over our grands and our great-grands, and maybe even some kids that aren't yours, right? Well, the final proof uh, that makes a child's heart, uh, that, that shows Christ's love for the child's heart, is that Jesus makes a child's heart part of the key to the, his kingdom, right? This is a filter. <laughs> children's hearts are a filter. We know it's faith and repentance that are essential for salvation, but part of the definition of that faith, according to Jesus, includes the attributes of a child. Mark 10, 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So what are those characteristics? Innocence, humility, lack of self-consciousness, receptivity, Trustfulness, 
insignificance regarding their earthly productivity, right? You know, they always say, put your finger in water, and if you know what the world's going to look like when you're out you in it, just take your finger out. But God chose to give you value and give you a purpose in this life. Your value comes from him, not your productivity. No matter where you find a child, on any continent, language, or culture in the world, they're weak, they're helpless, and they're fully dependent on someone else. So friend, if your faith in Jesus doesn't include those characteristics, according to Mark 10, 15, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. (laughs) So what's the filter of our faith? Humility, receptivity, trustfulness, weakness, helplessness, and full dependency on Christ. Come like a child or don't come at all. And who knew that I'd be preaching this message the, the day that little Lillian would uh, make public her profession of faith through baptism. Children are a filter to genuine faith. And church, Jesus loves them. We should too. Mark Twain said, children are natural mimics who act like their parents despite every effort to teach them good manners. (laughs) Hey, we can do better, can't we? We can do better. Let's make some steps. Let's crawl our way. Let's scratch and claw our way toward better parenting. And let's bring our kids to Christ and love them well. Would you stand? Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for our mothers and we thank you because you invented them. You invented motherhood. You invented parenthood and fathers and children. And you even from all eternity past were in your relationship of the Trinity. We're a father yourself and with a son. And so God, we thank you for literally, for infinity, showing us the value of parenthood. And I thank you, God, today for sending your son to die for us. I pray if there's people here today that have not called on the name of Jesus, that they would make that commitment public. Maybe they have called, but they just haven't made it public. I pray they would do that today. I pray that if there are others who want to join our church, be it through baptism or um, a transfer from another uh, Bible-believing church, Lord, I pray you would lead them to be part of our church home and serve diligently wherever possible. We love you. We praise you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Sermon Audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com.